Welcome to the New Zealand Tech Marketers podcast, a New Zealand tech marketers group passion project where we interview inspiring Kiwi marketers working in some of New Zealand's leading tech brands. We are very excited for you to join us today for this episode and enjoy this interview with Rachel Allen, who will tell you about her story. Rachel is a fractional marketer with her business being Rachel Allen Marketing. With nearly 20 years of marketing experience, Rachel will talk to us about her experience in the tech sector. Thanks so much for joining us, Rachel. Could you tell me a little bit about your career and how you've got to where you are today? Yeah, thanks, Brittany. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here. Uh, yeah, so you're right, 20 years, and um, it's quite scary to think it is 20 years. Um, and the reason for that is I started in marketing at quite a young age, at age 18, and um, my career is a little different to most in that respect because I didn't go to uni first, I entered the workforce um, and I actually didn't complete, finish high school either, I left at sixth form mm-hmm. um, and yeah, decided to, to get into the workforce and I was working at a, a great company, now they're an international FMCG company, um, they were still a good company at the time but now yeah, they've gone to be a large international company I was a receptionist there mm-hmm. and they gave me the opportunity to um, step into a marketing assistant role with really no training and so I did my training on the job um, and then I studied a diploma in communications after having some exposure to marketing and working out that's really what I liked doing mm-hmm. um, and yeah, so that was, uh, you know, how I got into marketing and really, I, I mean, obviously I haven't moved away from it since then. <laughs> um, and yeah, so over the years at that company, my role morphed into being more of an assistant product manager. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, I got exposure to launching products and creating marketing campaigns and, um, you know, doing some really great things that that helped me further my career um, and yeah, to this day I do credit a lot of my success to that opportunity that they gave me at such a young age. Mm-hmm. At, you know, I might not have been ready for, for some of the things but they gave me the opportunity and, and yeah, I feel like I've carried that through my career. And you obviously must have made an impression on them quite early on for them to give you that opportunity. Yeah, I must have, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I've always been someone that likes to get things done, perhaps. Um, so, you know, they could could trust me to get it done, even though perhaps I hadn't had the experience before doing it. They were able to see that I had the capability and that I could do it. Um, mm-hmm. But, you know, not every company gives people that opportunity to, to do that. So... Um, yeah, so I have always credited where, you know, my career to that early start that I got. Because um, how long were you there in, in that kind of role? About five years. Oh, so yeah. a good amount of time too. It was, yeah, and that's why it changed so much over that time of what I was doing. You know, to start with, it was mostly graphic design, and then it sort of morphed into that product management space. Cool. Um, yeah, and then and that set me up for moving into the tech sector really. So that's where I moved to after that um, was in product management in the agri tech sector for a couple of 
called LAC and they're a very large corporate around 270 million in revenue. Oh, wow. um, and that was my first exposure to, to a real tech innovation business, um, developing new products and launching them to market. Um, and work, yeah, working with uh, my role there was a lot of working with customers and being the voice of the customer and championing that voice through the business into what we were developing into our products. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, so that was that was really suited me um, being able to be the voice of the customer. You know, I've always been a big advocate for a customer um, and still am. So. Yeah, that role really suited me from that that regard. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. And how long were you in that role? Um, again, probably about five years. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but it changed a lot over the time. So, um, well, it might have been my whole time at the company was five years, but I had a couple of different roles there. So, um, that the business that I was a part of there um, was a an automation business so it was um, a little bit different to the rest of the company which is they do have a software product um, but they are primarily a genetics company Um, and so this automation business was a little bit different so it ended up being spun out and we merged with another company we formed LIC Automation and merged with another business called Dairy Automation Limited and um, that was set up as a subsidiary business and I went over there to head up the marketing. So that that was also included in that time, um, oh, moving yes. to that role, yeah. And um, just previously you mentioned that you, you know, you're studying when you were had that first role. How did you find studying and working full time and how did you balance that? <laughs> yeah, uh, I think it worked uh, really well because you have that real world experience of like you're reading something in a textbook and then you're going okay I'm actually experiencing this in the business right now yeah um, you can apply it and it makes yeah sense. yes so I actually think you know I would probably advocate for a lot of people to do that uh, to be experiencing it in their job while they're studying it it's not just in theory yeah. uh, and being able to apply it immediately um, and you know that's the beauty of doing an MBA too. Um, you get that that exposure. Um, mm-hmm. you know, you're you're well, you're you're experiencing it in your business and you're learning about it at the same time and applying it. Um, it's a little bit different than doing all the theory and then going out to the world. You know. Yeah. Yeah. Very interesting. Yeah. So you did an MBA as well. Did you mention? Yeah. So that was. Yeah. Um, my work at LAC led me into doing that mm-hmm. um, and you know I, what I was going to say about that was that I was only one of a very few that didn't have an undergraduate degree to get in um, they don't let many people in that don't already have an undergrad so I used my management experience as my entry mm-hmm. um, and and you know I think I just wanted to say to everyone, you know, you don't have to go out and think I have to have a degree to do this job and I have to, you know, do all this to to go do my MBA. Like, you actually don't. You can go out and get real-world experience and you can study later. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, And, yeah, that that is possible. So, um, And it's kind of that thing as well. We've been morphed into this whole 
having a degree to get the job but some mm. people don't learn that way and they're better on the job and yeah. actually learning in real time yes. um, yeah. so it's good to hear from someone that has done it a little bit differently yeah yeah definitely I, um, yeah, I think people should real. I think we get scared into that that's what we have to do, you know, yeah. um, but you actually don't. So, uh, but I do think people do have to, in businesses have to give people the opportunity based on attitude, um, capability they can see without having that degree. Yeah. But like, I'm, I'm all for someone that's got a good attitude and they can learn, you know, I feel like a, a mindset is a much harder thing to teach than, yeah. than you know, a skill set. So I'd much rather have someone with a good attitude and then teach them on the job. Definitely. Yeah. So, um, so yes, at LAC Automation, um, that's that's where um, where I was heading up the marketing, and then this this gig that was what exposed me to global marketing. Mm -hmm. uh, as we were expanding into the UK and Ireland with that business and also a little bit into China and South America. So uh, expanding, but also we had to create a new brand for those markets. Yeah. So uh, we hadn't um, really, it just came down to not having trademark rights to what we had in New Zealand for those markets that hadn't been thought about when, yeah. when the brand was created for the New Zealand market of where the business might go in the future. Um, so that led to the creation of a new brand for international markets um, and launching that into UK and Ireland. So that was a really exciting project that I got to work on there. Definitely. What mm. was your one takeaway from that or like one lesson? Because I know when you're doing a rebrand re or a branding of, or going into international markets, you would have had a lot of lessons, I guess. But what's the one yeah. thing that stands out? <laughs> oh, um, well, I guess it's probably that... I mean, this goes um, probably across all marketing, not just launching a new brand, but that everyone in the business has an opinion, you know, um, and we really just have to stick to that core group that's making the decisions. Yeah. Um, like it, it would have been just SLT, I think, um, and mainly, I guess, it landed with the CEO. You know, if he was in agreement with what I was doing, then I was on the right track. But yeah. you know, everyone you know, down even through to the dev teams, you know, everyone had an opinion on what it was, if it was right or wrong or yeah. um, what they... And I guess everyone has different perspectives too. Yeah, yeah. Yes, definitely, yeah. Um, but it can get quite confusing when you're in having to make those decisions and um, can be quite conflicting, I guess. So you just have to stick to what, what you are planning, stick to your guns, but then just take into account the the real decision makers in the business rather than listen to all the noise that happens. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So where did you head after that role? Yes, yeah, so after that role, so um, I moved to Hawke's Bay after that role. So yeah. um, that kind of set me on a different path. And also I was just completing my MBA at that time too. And, I, and off the back of that, I did really want to start my own business. I just, yeah, had had this um, inspiration to do something in that area, and I just had no idea what that looked like. Um, I thought it might have been a food business um, to start with, and I did my thesis for my MBA on 
um, some research around that business, uh, but it didn't eventuate. And so I went with marketing as a service. <laughs> or um, at that time, it was more contracting and freelancing and offering my services to to businesses. And um, yeah, so that's that's what I did next. And and then a client of mine, uh, Fingermark, which uh, they have an AI and computer vision platform for QSR, which is quick service restaurants, fast mm-hmm. food industry, and also the mining industry. So I was doing work for them as a contractor freelancer and ended up working full time for them because they were in a huge growth phase. About 20, when I was there, we grew from about 25 to 80 employees quite rapidly. And they were launching into sort of looking at the States, I think at that point, expanding throughout Australia. And so uh, it was a, it was an exciting opportunity, and I loved working with the founder there and the culture of the business. Um, yeah, so I let my clients go at that point and decided just to jump on and do that for a little bit. Yeah. Um, which yeah it was great. Exposed me to, to the states, a different market. And so was your role for them mainly the growth side and going into the states and other yes. areas, or yeah, yeah, yeah. and uh, actually we will. We rebranded, we refreshed the brand, we kept the name, but refreshed it for that particular market. Um, And I guess modernizing, professionalizing, getting it ready for the States, um, changing language to make it um, more appealing um, than what we had been doing for other markets. Um, the States, I think, was its own kettle of fish. And once we decided that that's really where the biggest opportunity was, our brand and marketing needed to wrap around that. Yeah. Yeah, so we changed quite a bit to do with that market. Wow. Yeah. Hmm. And cool. so from, <clears throat> from there, that's when I went on maternity leave and had my son, Black. And um, that's when, you know, everything changed, really. (laughs) Um, My whole world changed. And I decided that I really wanted flexibility in my work. And I didn't want nine to five anymore. I wanted to have flexibility with when I worked, how I worked, where I worked, the whole thing. Um, And so that's why I... I started Ratchuela Marketing then, um, you know, as officially as a as a business rather than contracting. Um, so setting up some services, and um, and I and I, that was my driving force, I guess. But also, I did see a gap in the market for a service like mine, yeah. uh, where it is affordable for a business to have a senior marketing leader on their team mm-hmm. because having a, a portion of hours and not hiring them full-time um, they don't have any of the complications of a full-time employee you know all the other expenses that come into it so yeah so I saw a gap in the market for it too that was I guess the other reason for starting the business wow you definitely managed to fit a lot in such a, a well not a short period of time but yeah. in your career so far um professionally through all of this, what have you found most challenging and what have you been most proud of? I guess you've got a few different roles in there and you can, out yeah. of any of them really. 
<laughs> okay, so I think, um, I, you know, thinking about the last few years where I've been uh, working for myself um, and what we've experienced with COVID too probably is fed into it, but the most challenging thing has been around isolation. You know, working on your own, having to make their own, your own decisions, um, not only from a marketing uh, strategy point of view for businesses, for your own business too, having to decide like the business development side of things. Um, so that's probably probably been the hardest thing. Um, and I I think even if you didn't own your own business, you as a marketer you experience this a little bit too within a business. Yeah. Because if you're um, heading up the marketing, like I said, with the rebrand um, experience there, everyone's got an opinion and, you know, you're sort of sometimes can be out on your own with yeah. with what that looks like and, you know, that you're doing the right thing for the customer, but um, translating that back to the business can be sometimes quite difficult. <clears throat> so that can be quite isolating too. You can feel like you're sort of working on your own. Mm. Um, and so that's one of the main reasons I got involved with Tech Marketers Group was to find some peers that I could speak with um, and also locally here in Hawke's Bay we don't didn't have any groups like that so I wanted to start a chapter here in Hawke's Bay knowing that there were a number of tech marketers here and that would be great for us to connect together and share ideas and network um, yeah, and to help each other. Well, definitely, and, you know, you're all in the same boat. You know, you're all facing similar challenges and maybe different businesses, but the fundamentals are the same. Mm. And sometimes it's just good to have events sometimes and have, have a coffee or whatever it is and just feel like you've got more people on your team. Yeah, it is. And, you know, you have to be uh, quite creative sometimes with you're trying to think of different ways to do things or a way around something. And just to be able to bounce it off someone can, even though they might not have the answer, but being able to bounce it off someone leads you to think about something else. <clears throat> and, you know, rather than it all just being stuck in your head. Out. Yeah. And, and, and where I am in my office, I'm based in with a marketing agency called Tractor, and they mainly do agribusiness marketing. And so I'm very lucky with when I'm in my on my office days that, I could bounce ideas off them. So it is like yeah. having a little bit of a team. Um, yeah, different things come up that I'm thinking, oh, I wonder what the best way of doing this might be. And yeah, it's great just to be able to talk to people. And having that, um, having people around you, even though you're working independently, you've got that work culture and yeah. that banter and things like that, that just mm. makes your days a bit more enjoyable too. You know, it all, it all affects everything. <laughs> it does. Yes, it really does. Yeah. And what would you be most proud of? We talked a little bit about the challenging side. Yeah, I think probably would be launching the new brand for LAC Automation into the overseas markets um, yeah. because it was really well received in those markets and I knew that it was supporting the business direction and the strategy that we had in place. Um, so where it was headed was we were really setting that business up to be acquired. Yeah. Um, and so what we were doing, how we set everything up from those very early days was with that goal in mind, um, which, has, which has since happened. So, um, yeah, it was really satisfying 
knowing that it was you know helping in the strategic direction of where we were going and all that work paid off as well you know you yeah. put all the effort into these rebrands and it's great to see that it has actually worked <laughs> yep. you've had some really cool jobs with some cool projects that you've worked on um what would be some of your more, more considerable challenges you've had to overcome especially in the tech sector and the agri sector um and how did you tackle those Hmm. I I think um, probably specifically for the tech sector, um, over the years I've found it quite difficult at times working with dev teams, mm-hmm. and um, and especially to start with, I really felt like a fish out of water with it, um, and and a lot of um, I'm an extrovert and it just so happens you know a lot of um, people that work in development are introverts and they really don't like talking a lot Um, so when you're trying to you know talk about what's happening with customers and and translate that so that they know what they're doing um, or give them you know um, direction or inspiration or whatever that looked like it often wouldn't come across very well perhaps Um, so I had to try and find a different tact that worked and, and what we found worked quite well was setting up direct communication lines with the customer. So it wasn't all just coming from me or from people in the marketing team. It was, they, they could go and ask a direct question if they wanted to, just to satisfy that, you know, we were saying the right thing perhaps. Yeah. Um, but that seemed to work really well as setting up those links and, um, yeah, I guess empowering them to find the answer themselves if, if they weren't sure or they didn't think what we were saying was quite right. So, yeah, but um, I think another common challenge in the tech sector, specifically to do with uh, marketing a proposition, is that often it's still in development. Mm-hmm. Um, so I've, I've got two, you know, really um, major occasions this has happened in my career so far where uh, what we're selling, what we're launching and marketing is not actually quite ready yet. Yeah. Um, and and that, you know, happens for a number of reasons. Projects fall behind or, um, you know, the, the funding might not quite be there. Um, we haven't got the customer input that we need yet. We need customers to be able to finish it or to be able to have the move out of beta perhaps um so as a marketer you really have to find a balance between selling that end goal selling the dream of what it is to be but also not being misleading in that respect looking at what it can do today but being really clear what it could do in the future because a lot of within the tech sector a lot of customers are buying um, what it can do, you know, what's possible, mm. uh, not exactly what it's doing today. And so you have to make sure that, you know, you're communicating that in the right way and not being mislead, not being misleading, but also not underselling it too. Yeah, definitely. And, you know, a lot of, at least in, in my role as well, clients want to know that you can grow with them. You know, yeah. it's all good and well to have a software that they can use now, but when that go through their growth phase they want to know that you can be there and that you're developing as well and you can grow with them that's right that's so important yeah so even just this this conversation helps because you realize that you go through the same things 
even mm. though you're in different roles and different companies and different um, cities, you know, yeah. you're still going through those same issues. That's right. Um, so you've had 20 years of marketing experience. What's one piece of it? Everyone hates this question, but what's one <laughs> piece of advice you would t- tell your younger self when you were starting out? Mm. Yeah, so I think um, for my younger self, you know, I was probably quite gung-ho about things and um, it would be probably to be more tactful and considered in my approach or my response to people perhaps. Um, I often have, and I probably still do, a tendency to be impatient mm-hmm. and want to get things done. But, uh, you know, especially when I was younger, this would have come across as rude to people and mm-hmm. wouldn't have been my intention. And, um, yeah, I think that would probably be my advice to my younger younger self. Be more tactful. Um, I mean, now, as, old, as I'm older, I'm much more aware and conscious of that and, and, you know, hold back sometimes, but yeah. In back, hindsight, eh? Yeah. <laughs> but back then I probably didn't. So, yeah, I think I could have improved in that area. Yeah. Well, mm. I guess uh, now I kind of want to talk about, you've had a few roles where you're working in businesses and then you made that decision to, you know, start your business and go out on your own and um, for your lifestyle and how you wanted to grow in your own professional life. Could you talk to me a little bit about the driving force? You mentioned it was, you'd just gone through a maternity leave, but what was the driving force Mm -hmm. in detail and working for yourself and how did that all come about? Yeah, I think in my heart of hearts, it was because I wanted to be my own boss. Mm -hmm. Um, I I wanted to to decide when I did things and how I did them. and perhaps apply the experience that I'd gained so far. I felt like I'd kind of worked hard enough for it. Um, you know, I'm an older mum. I've waited a long time to have children and, you know, focused on my career for so many years that it was like, you know, I think it's about time that I think I can add value to businesses. Um, I feel like I can walk into Um, any business and look at what they're trying to achieve and add some value from my service Mm -hmm. from a marketing perspective. um, So I I guess being at that point, you know, I wanted to be able to help businesses that were looking to grow and, and, and do it and do it in a different way, you know, in in the fractional capacity. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. Uh, And yeah, I, that would have been, been the major driving force and and obviously yeah the flexibility around my son and well family and just doing things on my terms perhaps Mm. yeah and from having all that happen what do you think the biggest challenge was for you after returning back into the workforce Mm. yeah I, I think um most mums would probably think, oh, well, I've kind of fallen behind with, you know, I'm not up to speed anymore and things have changed. Um, and maybe in marketing or in the business, you know, I'm just feeling, I guess, a little bit of imposter syndrome to start with of, mm. you know, I, I just need to get back up to speed with everything. But it, it really does happen quite quickly that 
um, you know, you get back up to speed with what's happening. And the fundamentals of marketing never change. You know, that's they're always going to be there. So although there are new marketing tools that might be available in the time you've had off, um, marketing doesn't change. So you still know all the fundamentals and what to do. So, yeah, it's just remembering that. Yeah, definitely. And I guess it's one of those things that as women and, and women who choose to have children, it's something we have to adapt to and mm. it, it is a big challenge for a lot of people and it's something that's not talked about a lot either. Yeah. But a lot of people go through it. That's right. And the other big one is mum guilt, right, of um, thinking, okay, because well, you're actually having to make um, – or well, everything comes at a cost. So there's a cost for focusing on your career and um, mm-hmm. that cost is not having the time with your children. And so that mum guilt sets in of that, you you know, you can't be there or um, all sorts of things. You get it, you know, you feel just so guilty. I totally understand. <laughs> uh, and, and, yeah, I guess you're just having to make constant choices and that can be difficult too. Yeah, definitely. And then often, um, you know, sometimes some workforces, how they perceive women coming back, you know, if they come back slowly, you know, not the organisation, but sometimes employees will view that as a part-time worker or, and there's this real stigma around it, even though, you know, you're working what you did beforehand, but you just work at different hours of the night while they're watching a tea movie at home you know it's just a different perspective sometimes so mm-hmm. I guess you know from my experience you just have to know the end goal and what you want to achieve and not let other people's opinions affect you too much yes that's right yeah you're right it's probably not um as widely accepted as it as it should be you know I think I think COVID created a lot of work flexibility for people yeah. Um, and probably for mums too, you know, working from home became more acceptable then, didn't it? You know, it was maybe on the rise a little bit with COVID. It just, um, you know, happened to everyone. It was forced upon everyone. So we started <laughs> doing it. <laughs> um, but yeah, there probably could be still a, a little bit more understanding about working mums. Definitely. Mm-hmm. Um, for your clients, you what do you mainly focus on? Like, what are the services that you offer? Um, and could you explain a little bit? Because we know that you have a few services that you offer, but I'd be quite keen to hear a bit more about them. Yeah, sure. So as a fractional marketing manager, primarily I'm working with small to medium businesses. Mm-hmm. And generally they're looking to <clears throat> grow their business in some aspect. Um, they've got a growth ambition and... Um, typically in the tech innovation or agri-tech sectors, um, but it it is sometimes broader than that um, into primary or FMCG sectors. So, and I guess with the size of the business, it's mainly working with a CEO or um, the SLT. Mm -hmm. So understanding what their business strategy and growth ambition looks like and translating that into a marketing strategy and plan. Mm-hmm. And <clears throat> that's different for every business. What they need is different. Um, and so it's really adapting that to, to where the business is at. Um, and 
it, it could be just in that marketing strategy space, but often it's working with the team that is in the business or um, with my network to execute that marketing plan. Um, so we offer services in, uh, and this is my current business model, it's 10, 20 or 40 hour blocks of time per month. And it seems to work quite well and be, has been quite accepted by businesses to work like that. Um, although I'm sort of looking at evolving it quite often with that's, you know, um, depending on what businesses need, that can change. So, but it's quite nice to have those blocks of hours. I feel like that works quite well. Um, so it, it gives businesses access to a strategic marketing manager without having to hire full time. They can choose from those blocks of hours. Um, and it's not just me anymore in my business. I have a marketing assistant that works for me and I'm about to go on maternity leave again. So I have a, a small team of subcontractors who are also very experienced in marketing, um, who are gonna cover some of the client work and take it over with me just for a little bit. Oh, cool. Hmm. Um, so you obviously have a lot of experience in strategy and rebranding and all of those really fun parts of marketing. But do you have any advice for marketers trying to improve kind of their marketing skill set and generally and in this area as well? Mm -hmm. So I think, especially in the marketing strategy space, understanding business strategy is fundamental. So understanding how the business works, the business model, um, how the business is making revenue and the growth plans, um, what that, or the growth ambition perhaps, and then working to create a growth plan. Um, you know, that's really key. If you understand that, then we have to understand that to be able to work in uh, creating a marketing strategy in the strategic space. Mm -hmm. But if you already know marketing and have a good understanding about that, if you learned about business strategy, you can easily tie the two together. And, mm -hmm. um, yeah, and then you understand what, what are the right levers to pull to help that business grow. Definitely. Um, what tools are you currently using? Or do you have any tools that you recommend? I know things are always changing and you're always hearing about a new thing that's coming up, but if you could tell our listeners to have a few tools, what ones should they really be looking into? Yeah, I really like using Asana mm -hmm. uh, as a planning tool. Um, it's yeah great for for planning out what's happening, when it's happening, and then you can assign it to to different team members and tick it off when it's done. Um, so I feel like that's a really great great one for execution. Um, I like using and I just like using that that tool. Yeah, um, yeah so that one's um, <clears throat> definitely on my everyday list. But other ones that are really good, I think simple ones like Google Alerts for client work. I'm often setting up um, alerts for things that we're working on so I can see what's happening with it. A social scheduler is an absolute must and also learning the right prompts for chat GPT. Um, you know, working out what's going to work best for your business perhaps um, or, you know, there's lots of advice out there around that but um, playing with that and working out what's going to work best 
for the outcome that you're trying to achieve because yeah different prompts just achieve different things so yeah yeah um the other big one i think every business should have a crm in place and that probably seems quite fundamental too but not every business does and um, and why it's important to have the CRM in place is to, to have the marketing activity linked to that. Mm. And so the business has visibility, you know, holistically about what's being done with sales and marketing. And yeah, it's, um, I guess maybe not surprising, but it's, uh, um, yeah, it's quite common that businesses don't have this in place and could be running off a spreadsheet and, um, and just it's not all linked together so yeah. you know and we're you know where we're heading with digital marketing and um yeah where things are going i think this is a real fundamental thing for businesses to to get on board with definitely and you you, you need it to be able to quantify where your marketing activities are generating which leads and if it's actually working mm. you know there's no point doing certain activities if it's not generating any interest that's right, yeah. And but it is it's surprising um, how many businesses aren't there yet, and um, and I think it makes it it's actually makes it harder for marketing not having that in place because you know we still have to provide metrics back that things are performing and you know if we don't have that full visibility of the sales pipeline, it's really hard to do that. So, um, yeah, that's why I think it's a really great tool that, like a, a really fundamental tool that perhaps is a little bit overlooked sometimes in, in small to medium businesses anyway. What's your favourite CRM? <laughs> um, probably Salesforce. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I've worked with some horrible ones too. <laughs> um, but, yeah, I think... Um, well, you know what? It probably comes down to the business too of yeah. um, the capability that they need from the platform, um, whether they like a NetSuite one, you know, where they want it to integrate with um, a whole bunch of other things. Um, it depends on the size of the business and whether they need to be at a real enterprise level software or um, it could be something you know maybe there is there's some other cheap and cheerful ones you know for a smaller business too um that so it really just depends on the business i think actually yeah yeah mm. that's a really good point um another thing i want to bring up is a lot of i guess marketers kind of have that thought of should i go out on my own have i got enough knowledge and experience um should i want to work for myself but is now the right time do you have any advice for marketers thinking about um, either consulting or going out on their own and working for themselves? Yeah, I think what has helped me is having a really well-established network. So um, a professional network, and and that's really where my business primarily comes from, is through my network or from new networking that I do too, yeah. um, meeting with people that... Um, could be a, client, a potential client or in general just meeting with people and having coffees you know networking you know you never know what's going to come from having a coffee with someone and not that you go into it thinking that but that's the power of networking it really is quite powerful so I guess either have a really established network or work on making 
making that happen first. And once you feel like you are quite established in that area, then make the move. It will definitely make things easier on you. And probably one of the um, philosophies I took on board to start with was just to say yes. So if someone asked me to do something, I would say yes. And um, I, I don't quite follow that anymore. I am probably um, more focused on what areas I can add value in. Um, but to start with, you know, just yeah, saying yes, I can do that and making it happen. Um, yeah. Because, you know, you, you don't want to turn things down when you're starting out either. So um, perhaps you don't want to be so specialized to start with either. Mm -hmm. Something because being, being a more generalist marketer to start with um, might help you get things off the ground. And you talked about your network and make, expanding your network and always growing it. Do you have any tips for like either young marketers or um, marketers starting out to try and expand their networks and meet people and um, to develop their career and be open to opportunities and things like that? Hmm. Um, yeah, networking events. Um, LinkedIn for sure, um, making sure they've got a really great profile and presence on there and connecting with people that are interesting or um, that they might be able to learn from perhaps, um, asking people to have coffees, reaching out to people. Um, yeah, it, that would probably be the three main things. Yeah, networking events, LinkedIn, and then reaching out to people. Yeah, and TMG. And take back as for sure. Yeah, that's a really great networking group. <laughs> Had to plug it in there. Yeah. What, um, we don't have much, too much time left, but what are some of your biggest lessons you've learned in your whole career in the tech space? Just one, just say your top one, your biggest lesson, which okay. is probably hard, but. <laughs> I think that you have to be comfortable with working with ambiguity. Um, ambiguity so taking lead with what you have so you know there's often a lot of and I've sort of touched on this before I guess you know there's often a lot of gray area um, things aren't perhaps quite developed and so yeah you have to be able to work with that um, and even though you might not have the full picture you have to create what that might look like we well, don't have to create what it looks like but you have to in your head have a really clear vision for what you're doing as a marketer even though it might not be so clear in the business at that point yeah that, that definitely makes sense so thanks for that um and lastly who are some tech marketers you admire and why and who should we have on the podcast next yeah so i think you should have sophie neat on next so she is global digital marketing for abb and that's a large global business and she is also a mum but she is balancing being a mum and um, often working in the nights because her team is international a lot of them aren't based here in New Zealand with her so that's uh, you know an amazing thing that she's doing and the business is also um, quite focused in the digital space and doing some really exciting things there so she could be great. Oh I'll have to get you to do a wee intro between us and get her on next that would be fab but thanks so much for coming along Rachel you've shared some fantastic insights and I'm sure all our listeners feel the same if you have any questions for Rachel if you 
future episodes, please get in touch. Where can our listeners reach you, Rachel, if they want, have any questions or if they want to catch up for a coffee or anything? You can look at my website, which is rachelallenmarketing.co.nz or connect with me on LinkedIn, which is rachelallenmarketing. And if you'd like to reach out to us at Tech Marketers Group, you can find our website and socials on the notes below. For more NZ Tech Marketing content, be sure to like this episode and give us a follow. Until next time.